0: Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. A podcast where we share with you great insights about everything family from over 30 years of parenting seven kids and over a decade of equipping parents through our Crazy Cool Family ministry. So let us inspire and equip you to build your best family. Welcome, welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast. I... I'm so excited today we have Dr. Wyatt Fisher, uh, man, just, uh, first of all, he's a doctor, so you got to listen to him. He's he's a He's got all these credentials, but he's also just been doing marriage counseling for uh, a lot, a lot of years. So welcome, Dr. Fisher, to the Crazy Girl Family Podcast.
1: Thanks, Don. Thanks for having me on your podcast.
0: Yes. And so um, tell us a little bit about yourself first, and then we'll dive into some marriage stuff.
1: Sure. Well, let's see. I've been married since 1999 and my own relationship has been to the brink of divorce and back. And so I help couples from both a personal and professional perspective. Um, Cause I know what it feels like to be filled with resentment and feel hopeless, but I also know what it feels like to heal those resentments and fall back in love. And so I'm in the business of helping couples do the same. So I help them resolve their resentments, how to build back their love for each other, which then creates a stronger family unit.
0: Okay. So I got to ask this question, like, Take me through the timeline of your building resentment, divorce, and healing, and and the reason I ask this is because I want parents to see sometimes how how hard how long it takes for relationships to really heal.
1: Yeah, well, we've been married since 1999, like I mentioned, and I'll say the first half was constant problems. Um, primarily my wife had a lot of trauma, sexual trauma growing up and she's okay that I share this. I always get her permission. And as we, her trauma didn't surface until we got married. And what that looked like is she avoided all physical intimacy. And then me as a high libido partner responded poorly to that. And I responded with frustration and anger, and then I just made things worse. Um, and so then she started pulling away more, the more she would pull away the more frustrated I would get. So we had this vicious cycle. Now what made it worse is I was just starting graduate school to become a therapist. And so my thought was, I can fix us. I can do this. We don't, we don't need outside help. And so that prolonged our toxic dynamic for years. until finally we we're hanging on by a thread. And so finally I relented. I was like, okay, we definitely need to see someone cause I can't be objective in our own marriage. So that started a journey that lasted about four to five years of working with multiple trauma specialists, different therapists to help us untangle all these knots in the scar tissue that our dynamic created for both of us. Uh, so it was, it was a long journey, um, but I'm very thankful that neither of us gave up because today we're more in love than ever and we have a healthier relationship than we've ever had.
0: Yeah. And so, but you said it took years to make that happen, right? Yes. And so now, um, you know, when you're um, but your marriage is is strong now. Is that what you would you say that it it's fully healed? Uh, where, where would you say that you are now?
1: Yeah, I would say it's it's definitely strong. It's definitely I mean, the heal, healing is always a journey than a rather than a destination. Um, yeah. But I would say we're absolutely stronger now than we ever have been in our duration of our relationship and there's many moments now where we feel like we felt when we were dating and so it's pretty remarkable and this is one thing i encourage couples to consider is if you fall out of love it doesn't mean hope is over and their relationship is doomed because couples can and do fall in and out of love over the duration of their marriage what do you mean when you say fall in and out of love Yeah, it just means there's going to be seasons in your marriage. Some seasons you're going to feel really in love with your partner and they're incredible and all your needs are being met. Then there's going to be seasons where that breaks down and needs are not being met and there's resentments, and unresolved conflict. And when you're in that phase, which is winter, a lot of couples think, well, it's over. Once you fall out of love, it's done. But that's not true. Because in that phase, if you dig in deeper and work harder and reach out for resources and help, couples can resolve those resentments. They can start tending to one another again and move into spring, which is where they start falling back in love again. Do you
0: feel like that when you, one of the things that Crazy Cool Family, we were just talking about this before the podcast, is I feel like that so often Parents are trying hard at things that need to, they need to adjust their techniques. They need to adjust their strategies that they really just don't know how to do it. You know, um, do you think, um, do you see that in the couples that you are, um, you have a practice, you have a a, a counseling practice, as well as you have people that do coaching for you. Do you find if you can adjust their strategies that that there's ways that they can learn to work these things out?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I have two partners who are teachable and open and willing, we can do incredible work together. And that's what I'm all about. So I teach couples tools, tools to resolve resentments, tools to foster emotional intimacy, tools to share power on decisions. There's all these tools. And so a lot of my work together with couples is training them on skills and practices and strategies that they've never learned because we're not taught this stuff right? We go to school to become an accountant or to become a teacher, to become a lawyer. We go to all this training, all this education to be amazing at our career. But when it comes to our marriage, we receive little to no training. So we're we're missing the tools. And so that's kind of my angle to it is I'm there to help couples learn the tools.
0: So like, what's an example of a tool, let's say to overcome resentment. So I know that you know, I talk to a lot of couples. I've struggled with it. Where you know, just we build up these things of my wife's not for me or my husband's not for me. Uh, we build resentment. They always do this or whatever. So, what would be like an example of a of a resentment overcoming tool?
1: Yeah. So there's two tools that are more proactive, and then there's one tool that's reactive. Uh, I'm not sure how much detail you want me to share with those because it could take a while to go through those different ones. Um, but on a bird's eye level, uh, the two that are proactive, those tools are all about opening up the communication, uh, learning how to share what's bothering you, what's frustrating you in a way that keeps it emotionally safe. Um, those are the proactive tools. There's two of those. Um, the reactive tool is a tool to help couples walk through their feelings and their thoughts around the resentment in a way that keeps it emotionally safe. because most couples have these areas of resentments that they can't even bring up because it starts a fight. So then they just keep it down, they bottle it up, which eventually creates a blow up. And so what I do with couples in my practice, for example, is I have them write down all of their resentments they have toward each other. Normally each partner has like three to six resentments categories. And then I teach them that tool, the reactive tool, which is called the reunite tool. So people can Google it. Just go to Google and type in reunite tool and you'll see it It comes up there at the top. So that tool has multiple steps and it shows couples how to talk through these hard topics, because if you can't even talk through it, then you're definitely not going to resolve it. So that's the first step is just how do we even talk through this in a way that stays emotionally safe without us escalating to make sure we both feel heard there's empathy. And then finally, how do we make changes so we don't keep doing these same behaviors? So there's a lot of elements packed into that tool, but that's just like a broad uh, summary funny. of
0: it. I, mean, I think it's, you know, so, so, but you know, what I want parents to hear too and, and married couples is, man, there's hope there's always it, it, What you said was, first of all, you gotta be willing to be teachable. That's what I heard. And secondly, you got to be willing to be teachable and then go find the tools that help you. And and it's not just, I mean, there's a heart posture and then there's knowledge. Is that what you're saying?
1: That's right. Yeah. Because if you teach a tool to someone who's hard hearted, it's going to bounce right off. Right. right? Or you can have someone who's soft hearted, but they don't know the tool and they're also going to struggle. And so the best is you, if, if both partners can be open and soft-hearted from that perspective, and then they gain the knowledge of the tools, now they can really make progress in their relationship.
0: Yeah. And I know with, um, <clears throat> with seven kids that we have, and, um, and probably the same with you as four, with four kids, um, many times the marriage gets put to the side because of parenting and things. But so, but yet one of the things we talk with parents about is just how important the marriage relationship is. And I'd like to hear it from you. Like, here's the question. Like, how much does connection and communication as a couple going deep with that connection impact the culture we're hoping to create in our family?
1: It's everything. Yeah, if the marriage falls apart, the family falls apart. And so the more that marriage can get healthy and the couple can feel like a team, a unified front, uh, the better the entire family is going to benefit and vice versa. So if the marriage is crumbling, if there's a lot of resentments, there's a breakdown of connection and intimacy in the, in the marriage, then that's going to spill over into the family and with the kids. And there's going to be a much more just tension in the home, a lot more arguments in the home, The kids aren't gonna see a good model for what marriage should look like. They're not gonna see mom and dad being warm toward each other. They're gonna see coldness. And so it has a massive ripple effect. And so that's why I always tell people is the best thing you can do for your kids is have a good marriage yeah so
0: how' do they but so then like I'm and I'm sure you see a lot of couples with kids and all the busyness and sports and extracurricular activities and uh, and they're both working maybe as well what do you tell them to do how much emphasis do they put in their marriage and how they make that happen in a busy home?
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, there's different ways to approach that um one way is, Obviously, the more time you spend together, the more opportunity you're going to have to feel connected and close. And so when couples first start working with me, I ask them, you know, how much quality time do you guys have together every week? And normally it's like 15 minutes a week, you know, something really, really small. OK, wait a minute. You just said 15 minutes a week? A week. Oh, yes. my
0: goodness! wow.
1: Yeah. So we kind of start with just kind of getting an assessment of where they're at. And then we slowly start building in some connecting rituals for the couple starting really small. So it's manageable, but it's, it's a vicious cycle because in the beginning, when couples have resentments, they don't want to spend time together either. Oh, and so cool. like, you know, like I'm frustrated with you, you hurt my feelings, my needs aren't being met. Why would I want to spend time with you? And so that's where we always start with healing the resentments first. And then we slowly start building up the marriage second.
0: Well, and so that's so interesting, too, that you say couples don't want to spend time together because of the resentments that have built up. You see that a lot, huh?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to go on dates with someone you resent. It's hard to have sex with someone you resent. And so nothing really works in a marriage until the resentments are addressed. So let's say a couple
0: comes to you because we're talking about connection and communication as a couple, it's impacting their marriage, but you're saying it's also impacting their family. So if they come to you and there's a lot of resentments there, I'm sure, you know, and different resentment levels in different marriages, but they they come to you. And so what would, how do they start? What do they start with, you know, to start to break down those resentments? I guess we go back to the tools, uh, but I mean, You you just tell them that, hey, okay, an hour date night or something like that. I mean, like, what are some practical things that they do to get started?
1: Yeah. I mean, the first phase is resolving the resentments. So I have them make that list of categories of resentment, such as parenting might be a category, finances, sexual intimacy, emotional intimacy, feeling voiceless, uneven workload. So I list off these common categories of resentment so they each can start thinking, like, where do I have some resentments? And then I teach them the reunite tool. And then we just walk through one resentment at a time. And that's going to take as long as it needs to with each couple based on how many resentments they have. Once we work through all that, that's when we start building up the marriage. So then we'll start talking about how do we increase your emotional intimacy? How much time together could, could we start carving out for your marriage? How can we start carving out some dates you know, on a regular basis? How can we start having a, I call it a marriage huddle once a week to do multiple things to foster teamwork? Um, So that's when we start really building it up. Um, Because, again, if you start with all those quality time items in the beginning, when there's all these active resentments, they'll either not want to do it or they'll fight during it. And so let
0: me ask you a question like, you know, in this day and age, it feels like, you know, counseling has become counseling and coaching have become more prominent. Um, And so when you see people that have resentments and, you know, do you recommend Can they start themselves or do you always recommend they go see a counselor? I mean, what do you like? Because it feels like that what you're saying is, is that if they have a lot of resentments toward each other, they're going to have trouble actually just communicating on a surface level.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because they'll be getting triggered. They'll get agitated with each other. But the nice thing with this day and age is there's so many resources, right? So they could start with a podcast or they could start with an app or they could start by going to a conference um, or working with a counselor or a coach or an article. Like there's lots of opportunities to just get the ball rolling on how do we make our marriage better? How can we work through these hurts and these resentments? Um, So they can always, I always encourage couples to like start at the lowest level. Maybe that's trying an app or going to a conference or reading an article or a book. Um, And then if that's not enough, then you can go up to that next level where you work with, you know, a coach or a counselor. But the nice thing with all that variety, too, is some people are open to a counselor. Some people are not. But that person is not open to a counselor. Maybe they're open to going to a conference. And so it's always good, I think, to present options. And so then you can try to find something both partners would be open to for a starting point.
0: Well, and I wonder too, do you ever find that like just getting a friend, I mean, it seems like to me sometimes like Suzanne and I, my wife, uh, we have been working with a marriage coach for, I don't know, four or five years and it really helped to break open some things and it's it's almost like, yes, they helped, but it actually just getting a third party involved that's a listening party that is willing to say, no, don't do that. You know, it's almost like you fight cleaner when you have somebody else there. Um, What do you see? I mean, would you recommend couples that are kind of, you know, at the maybe high resentment level, seek someone else to kind of mediate their, their discussions?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're at that level where, you know, we can't talk about certain topics without it escalating, then that is an indicator that we need someone else to help us work through these topics. And couples reach an impasse, right? Where one partner sees it one way, the other partner sees it another way, and they're not, they're like stuck. And so whenever you're in that position, it definitely shows you need someone else to help you walk, walk it through, almost like a river rafting guide, right? You would never go whitewater rafting, like on your own, just like, yeah, I'm just going to go for it. There's always a guide to help you kind of through the real treacherous waters on like, okay, we got to go to the left here. Now we have to dive into the right here. So we don't tip over the raft. It's kind of like that when you're working with a counselor or a coach. Um, Now the idea of working with a friend could have some potential benefits, but there's going to be a ceiling there because this friend most likely is not going to be objective because they know you personally, they might be closer with the husband or they might be a little closer with the wife. So that may influence their feedback And they're not trained in this. And so they they don't necessarily know what you should do instead or what should be healthy. I mean, they can just kind of give you their impression. Um, So that's tricky. So I think there could be some benefit, but it's going to be limited when working with a friend. That's good.
0: And so I want to explore a little bit. We're talking about building connection and communication as a couple. And so um, I believe, especially in Christian circles, that many times the husband or wife doesn't say anything about their issue because they they don't want to cause conflict. They don't want to, you know, I know I went through this in my marriages that I felt like there were certain things that I couldn't talk about with Suzanne because they were going to cause a fight and no. I didn't want, and, and they would hurt her when I brought them up. So I didn't bring them up, but therefore it made us kind of, you know, go to our separate corners, if you will, when those issues arose. Yeah. All right. And, but I thought, personally, I was helping because I was taking it for the team. I was not hurting her. I was trying to resolve it on my own. But what I'm hearing from you, and, and I I agree with this, Then what I think you're going to say is that You know, that's not healthy for our relationships. And so if and but do you see that where people are thinking they're helping, but they're hurting, I guess?
1: Yeah, especially with someone with someone who is high in agreeableness or conflict avoidant. um, Those type of temperaments in particular don't want to bring things up because they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to start a fight or they don't want to hurt their partner's feelings, which is admirable, right? I mean, that's admirable that you don't want to have those negative effects. However, what tends to happen is, okay, now I'm stuffing it down, these negative feelings I'm having toward my partner, and that's going to come out in other ways. So maybe that comes out in me detaching, or I'm kind of pulling away from my partner, or I'm a little more short with my patients toward my partner, or I'm not as attentive toward my partner, not as sensitive to what they're feeling. And so it comes out because negative feelings have to go somewhere. And so even it's it's actually a facade, like we think, okay, I'm not gonna bring it up, therefore um, it's not gonna come out in the marriage, but it actually does often in other ways that are more subtle, which that's why it can also harm the relationship because it has to go somewhere So it comes out in passive aggressiveness or all these other ways, which then does hurt the marriage.
0: Well, and in our marriage, and I've heard it in others too, it actually, uh, my wife's more of a feeler so that when I, so we would, when I withdrew in order to protect, she actually felt like I didn't care. Yeah, yeah. And so that was, and I was like, well, of course I care. I'm caring because I'm trying not to hurt you and I'm trying to make, keep the peace isn't that a good thing but in reality again uh, we weren't really pursuing the connection and communication at a deep enough level we were just safe with each other and we really didn't go deeper to get the intimacy there that needed to happen right
1: yeah and that's a good example of how you didn't bring it up and what was the result you you pulled away
0: exactly and and really thought that I was doing good in pulling away because I was making sure that I didn't hurt her, didn't cause any problems or any pain. <clears throat> I think sometimes we feel like that, uh, and, and really what I would say in our marriage is um, once we started digging into those issues, it was hard, but it was also <clears> then <throat> it took time, but it's been healing in our marriage.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's why things can't go forward unless those things are discussed and processed through and talked about. And that's where that reunite tool is one option to help couples do that work. Um, Because, yeah, when once you are able to talk through it, I mean, I've seen couples in my office where I teach them the reunite tool and then I guide them through it where it's like it creates this it creates multiple things. But one thing it creates is like this cathartic release. Like, finally, we're able to kind of talk about this. Finally, I feel like you hear me. Finally, I feel like you're putting yourself in my shoes. Finally, we have some answers oh, wow. on how to do this different moving forward. So it's it's almost like a dam is blocked, right? And you're removing all these logs from the dam so the water can start flowing again.
0: Yeah, that's good. And so, you know, one of the things I'd love to leave with parents is is that, you know, don't that it's not good to avoid the conflict. Um, although you know sometimes the conflict can cause pain with people. Um, how do you help? I got a couple of questions as we as we move. I want to move over to a couple of things. One of them is sometimes people are not healthy enough to go into conflict. How do you help? Or what would you say to to married couples that are like, I'm not healthy enough to handle that what I'm going to face from my spouse if we talk about that? How do parents or married couples get healthy enough to be able to go into the fight?
1: Yeah, so I would say it's not necessarily about going into the fight. It's more about we need to sit down and resolve our resentments. Um, so it's not about like, okay, I'm going to start to fight more in my marriage, but it's more about when we have a conflict, you know, what's underneath the conflict. So instead of focusing on the weeds on top, like what are the needs underneath that? What are the patterns? The patterns are the most important piece. Um, and then if someone feels like, you know, okay, I've kind of identified the patterns that are making me feel negative toward my partner. Now, how do I talk about those? And that's where, if they feel like I can't talk about those, I don't know how to talk about those that's where something like the reunite tool or working with a counselor or a coach could become very helpful because then you have that third party to help walk you through to keep it safe. So you can get through the whole conversation and have some resolution on the other side. Um, So, yeah, so it's not about, Yeah, go ahead.
0: Well, I was just wondering, do you ever have to like the, let's say that a wife is, is struggling and, and, you know, every time they talk about it with a husband, he gets angry, well, maybe the husband has to deal with some and, and maybe that's a result of internal issues within the husband. There's triggers or whatever. I'm just wondering, do you ever see where you gotta get the the husband to then go through some individual counseling or you know, belief change in order to be able to come to the relationship healthy enough to be able to handle the the issue?
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that can definitely happen you know, each partner has different levels of emotional intelligence. And so those who have the lower level often need some extra support to get them up to speed and up to par with how to think about dynamics, how to think about, you know, relationship issues. And so that might be able to get addressed with their own research or reading some books, or they may need some individual coaching or counseling to help them on that journey.
0: Right, right. Well, and I think that's, that's another thing is, you know, one of the things we teach a lot is, you know, the best thing you can do for your marriage is to present it the healthiest version of you. You know, that you can, if you're healthy, then you're able to get into your marriage in a in a more and more healthy way. And so sometimes, you know, um, sometimes we blame it on our spouse and the problem is actually more as much or more us. And if we can resolve our issues, then we can then get into the marriage and resolve those issues better. Um, and also just, I know in... In the marriage coaching counseling that you do, so often there are parenting issues and differences that contribute to the marriage. You know, we talk about what are the key things. It's financial, you know, parenting stuff like that. Um, what do you say to parents struggling to remain unified and connected in raising their families? How do you create unity and parenting?
1: Yeah, yeah, so. Couple of things. Uh, one, right off the bat, is to get out of the habit of telling your children or teens um, or adult children um, yes or no to any type of request, um, anything that has significant impact. Um, because what happens a lot is one partner is a little more lenient, the other partner is a little more strict, you know, one partner is more relationship focused, the other parent is more justice focused. And right. so if either parent are are quick to just kind of say their answer to the request, then often the other parent parent can feel voiceless and feel like, hey, wait a minute, that's not what I would have responded with. That's not, I don't feel good with what you just told Johnny, um, but now it's too late because now the answer's already been provided. So this is just one tip. So anytime your children, no matter what their age, comes to you with a request, like whatever that is just get in the habit of saying, I'll discuss it with the other parent and then we'll let you know. Oh, interesting. Um, That's a good, okay. Yeah, yeah, because then right off the bat, you know, you're not saying yes or no. And then the other parent's feeling voiceless. So you're saying, yeah, okay. So I hear what you're saying. I hear what you want or what your request is. I'll talk it over with your mom or dad, whoever the other parent is, and then we will let you know. Now, once you get behind closed doors with your partner, that's where the work really begins because inevitably you're going to land on different positions of, of what how you should approach your child in this situation. Let's say it's how much screen time your child should have. Well, let's say that's the topic. Right. And one, one partner is saying zero screen time. The other partner is saying unlimited screen time. Now what do you do? Um, so there's so many issues like that with parenting where you land on different topics. One parent thinks children should have no sugar the other parent thinks it should be unlimited sugar who cares right all these kind of differences um so that's where we get into a tool called bounce the ball and the bounce the ball tool just like in sports no one likes a ball hog and a ball hog in marriage is someone who just says this is what i think we should do therefore that's what we're gonna do right and they never turn it into a dialogue with their partner Um, And a lot of people are like that. They struggle sharing power. And sometimes it's topic by topic. Sometimes one partner struggles sharing power in a certain topic. Other times it's like across the board. They, They struggle sharing power. But the bounce the ball, basically all you do is partner A would start by saying, this is what I think we should do on this topic. Here's the values underneath my position and why. And then they bounce the ball by saying, what do you think? Now, partner B does the same. They share what they think on that topic and the values it's coming from for them. And they bounce the ball back and say, what do you think? Now, at this point, if you just keep rehearsing your original position, you're not gonna get anywhere. So at this point, partner A has the ball and now they have to come off their original position by a few degrees toward their partner. And so then this is the first compromise that's thrown out there. So then they throw out the first compromise and say, what do you think, they bounce the ball over, the other partner can either accept that compromise or they can make a counter, which is moving toward their partner's position by a few degrees. And they say their new option or their new idea, and they bounce the ball back and say, well, what do you think? And if both partners are teachable and they're open to that negotiation pro- process, eventually you'll strike a win-win. And you know you've struck a win-win when neither partner is getting what they originally wanted. Yeah, it's kind of That's like a you win know.
0: <laughs> It's kind of like a real estate deal when nobody's happy. That's probably when you've got the right compromise.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and
0: it, it yeah, go ahead. Me, well, one a couple of things you just said there. One is, is that, you know, I can see really parents. Well, you know, I made the decision. This is what I thought we should do. But also then, even if they were to talk about it, which is a big step, then you get the parent who tries to sell their position you know, hey, this is, you know, it's almost like I, I, I say a lot, you know, I tried to convince Suzanne to be more organized and structured the whole first decade of our marriage, design systems for her to help her parent better, quote unquote, when in reality, she knew a lot more about parenting than what I knew. And, you know, and I really needed to adapt more to her than she did to me. But it didn't stop me from trying to sell her on my process.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And the the truth is that both parents bring a unique skill set to the parenting process. You know, one parent is really gifted in setting limits and that comes natural to them and what the boundaries should be for these kids and what the consequence should be. Another parent specializes and is talented in love. Like, how do we make them feel loved? How do we make them feel, you know, warm and like welcomed in our home? And both of those are strengths And so if you think about it, you know, how can we leverage the strength of both of those parents? Because kids need both love and limits. And that's where that balance of the ball comes into play. Because most of the time, one partner is going to be coming at it from more of a lenient relationship perspective. The other partner is going to be coming at it from more of a boundary setting, justice oriented perspective. So if you can blend those two styles, you're going to get the best of both parents, which is ultimately going to be best for the kids.
0: Well, and isn't it, I mean, even with your kids, I mean, even with kids, it's like, isn't it interesting that God made us so different? That he could have Mm -hmm. done just about anything, but he made us all different. And yet he desires unity. And so he wants us to take those different. I love that you use the word values because, and, and parents, this is one of the things that we teach a lot that I think relates to what Dr. Wyatt's saying. If you'll focus on not on the personal issues, but on the value itself, why do you want screen? Why do you value screen time or why do you value restricting screen time? It's kind of like it takes it off of a personal level and puts it on a value level. So now you can talk about it objectively rather than oh, you're I'm right and you're wrong. I yeah. mean, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once you can distill it down and think about, okay, here's my value on this topic, here's my partner's value now creativity can start because then you can really start thinking of solutions that are going to honor both values
0: yeah and but so if you just think, stay- yeah so Go right, ahead. and really just a value is in our culture what we talk about is just a value is something that's important to you so for mm-hmm. example you know my wife and i used to argue about I wanted um, our kids to play basketball. I wanted sports to be, you know, I felt like sports were good. It was a value. They they were going to learn from sports, you know, and I had a certain value of how we went to a team and approached a team. She didn't have, she didn't value sports as much as I did. And so we had to work through compromises of how, and we had seven kids. So we had kids playing sports all over the place. And so um, Mm -hmm. we had to work through our value system of where was what was the importance of sports in our family, and you know, and there were the there was there was big picture discussions of the importance and value of sports, and then sometimes it was day to day of oh this practice or this game or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. Another example of a value is where kids should go to school. So I've seen couples where one partner. They're like, I want our kids to go to this school because I really value faith development. So that's a huge value. And if they go to this school, I think they would get that. Then the other partner is saying, but I value academic rigor. And so I want them to go to this other school over here that's more academically minded because that's the big, big value for me as a parent is academic rigor. So now we see the two values, faith development and academic rigor. Now we can start brainstorming of what are the options to nurture and foster both of those values with where they go to school, what they do after school, what can happen at home. So it kind of creates a broader like plate, for example, uh, to speak of it that way of what are all the possible ways we can honor both of these values, faith development and academic rigor.
0: Yeah. So, man, Dr. Wyatt, thank you for so much for jumping on with us Um just to, as we kind of wrap up here um, one of them is teachable be teachable as a spouse. Um, second, you know, get resources, whatever those resources are, like you said, so much, so much is available out. I uh, got to, got to qualify, but so much is available out there as well as not only, you know, resources you can buy, but also people you can see and, you know, either coaches, um, you know, uh, counselors within the church, you know, mentor type people, uh, people that have been down the road. You know, we have a lot of resources at crazy cool family in as well. Um, as you, as, as you leave them today, what are your, uh, how would you like them to, to connect with you, to see what you're doing and anything that could help them, uh, for our parents listening to the podcast?
1: Sure. Yeah, if you want to learn more about marriage and how to improve your marriage, my podcast is the best place to start. My podcast is called The Dr. Wyatt Show, and I put out a podcast episode once a week. Usually they're about 15 minutes, very practical, to the point. Uh, and then that, again, that's The Dr. Wyatt Show, and you can listen to that wherever you get your podcasts. I'm also on you know, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and my handle is at Dr. Wyatt Fisher.
0: Oh, great so um thank you so much for being with us i think it's super valuable what you know just parents as you leave here just taking out there's always hope there is always hope for two teachable people to reconcile their marriage and and um and you know i just was talking to a buddy of mine the other day they were just at the point of divorce and now weeks later they something broke and there's, you know, so, so often we think our marriage is just never fixable. But, you know, with, with you never know what God can do and you never know what happens when you get two teachable people together. So um, thank you so much for your time. And um, and we look forward to just list my uh, readers, our readers, our listeners listen to your podcast. And um, as always, parents, we always tell you, go be crazy, crazycoolfamily.com.